0: Now, what Melissa's able to do here, and Stephanie could do it as well, is sit here and play music and sing at the same time. And some of us can't even walk and chew gum at the same time. It'd be kind of interesting to have auditions for everybody to take a turn at that and see what it's like to try to not only know how to play the piano with two hands, which that's not my cup of tea either, uh, but to sing with that as well. I think that's quite impressive to do. And usually you can talk to her too while she's playing. And somehow she knows how to keep playing while she's playing, and she doesn't get too distracted by that. I, I'm going to give you a test here this morning, and it's not at the piano. It's just a simple thing. I think it's natural thing, uh, a normal thing. But I want to talk about your eyes for a minute. No, I'm not going to put an eye chart up here either and make you read it off to me. But if you look at anything in this room, if you look at this Christian flag up here, it's been up here for many years, hasn't it? Long time we've had this Christian flag. Maybe you haven't noticed it (laughs) because it's been here for so long. But if you can look at this Christian flag, and then if you look over there and you see the words, Great is your faithfulness printed up there. I'm going to challenge you to look at both of them at the same time. If you can do that, don't show it to me. I just don't think I could handle that. <laughs> but you know what the normal operation of the eye is. It's actually both eyes work together. And when you look at one object, both eyes look at that object together. That's the normal operation, the way that God designed it. So that one eye doesn't go this way and one guy go that way when you're looking at things. And I think that's kind of an interesting little picture I wanted to set in your mind this morning. But if you practice that while I'm preaching, it's just going to drive me crazy. Don't do it. Okay? Because I don't want to look there and everybody's got their eyes split in different directions. I just wanted to express something that I think would help in our study of 1 Corinthians chapter number Verse number four. We've been in verse four, three and four for a while now. Uh, We're getting through this sermon, by the way. Uh, We should be almost done with it today. Um, It says in verse number four, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And it says in verse five, there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And in verse 6, there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. The understanding of the varieties of gifts, I think, is very important for us to walk through. Uh, Paul took the time to write about it, and the Lord had that uh, need for the Corinthian church to understand. And what I'm trying to show you from this passage as we work through it is understanding our role as an individual within the whole body of Christ. Now this has been a message that's gone on since 56 AD. So I'm not creating anything new here. It's been expressed to the church for all these years because God had it put in his word so that the church will keep sharing it with people. And so we could all understand, what's my place in the body of Christ? What is my job, so to speak? What do I do? And this is a very important passage for us because it's based on the simple idea that all that we are discussing about the church, understand, it's God who created it. It's His plan. It's His program. It's His power. And He produces the results too. And in all that wonderful picture of the church and the fact that in the ultimate end it's going to stand before him perfect. That's amazing. How did he manage then to put a bunch of sinful people in it and say, okay, that's how it's going to operate. It's kind of like putting defective parts in a brand new car. They don't do that, do they? I'm not going to ask that question. But but why would you take something brand new and so perfect and everything that it can be and then insert people in it and say that's how it's going to operate? That's just a stunning picture, which shows me again how great he is, because he could do that and still come to the same answer at the very end. When we stand before him, we're going to rejoice at what we see. But we have a part in this, and... The very fact that your left eye and your right eye are not the same eye is something important to say. In the great picture of this, uh, two eyes working together for one purpose. Alright? It's a simple picture. Two eyes working together for one purpose. Now understand as we're working through this passage, especially verse 4, and we're talking about the different... Gifts that the Lord has given to the church, they all have one purpose. They're all supposed to be working that way. I'm going to show you the importance of that here this morning. The gifts we've already been discussing here in chapter 12, and we could go to Ephesians, we could go to Romans, we could go to other places of scriptures, and sometimes we will. But um, as we're working through, especially in chapter 12, There's a stress made, a stress made as to the difference of the gifts. There's a division, and that's the word here. God has given us a division of gifts, diversity of gifts. Your translation will use different words. Varieties is what the New American Standard does. But the point is that God did not design them all the same, to all do the same job. But he did design them all for the same purpose. All right? Very important that we understand this. So, there are those who have what people call speaking gifts. And there are those that some people call serving gifts. And that's a division people like to make between the two. And it sounds like it's an easy thing to do. There are those that use the mouth especially to teach or to preach or to evangelize. Uh, Many, there are gifts along that line. And some people say, well, I can't do that, Pastor. That's not for me. I, I've got a serving gift, and I I will use my serving gift. But don't ask me to speak, All right? And some people they would rather speak and not operate in some of these other gifts as well. Now it's very interesting. We we let that division sit there, and, and I'm going to let that sit there because others will say, no. Why don't we divide them up between temporary gifts and permanent gifts? There's gifts that seem to be necessary at a time. And I've been talking about that for a couple of weeks. Some people even call them sign gifts. They were necessary for a time. And then after that time was up, the permanent gifts are the ones that retain to the present day. And still, I don't know if that's a perfect way to divide either. But we've touched on that a little bit. However you like to divide the gifts and set them up in your thinking, I want you to realize whether it's a speaking gift or whether it's a a serving gift that you have, like the function of your eye, they both need the same focus. They both need the same focus because they both have the same goal. Let me show you something. Keep your bookmark right there. I've taken you to Ephesians 4 several times, but let's do it again. Ephesians 4, verse number 11. I'm going to just walk through a couple of verses here for 11, 12, and 13. And I want to show you something very, very carefully, right? Ephesians four, eleven, And he himself gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Simple thing to notice, they're all individual gifts, aren't they? They're all separated in their style, in their time, in in what they did. But primarily, these gifts are designed to inform, to teach, to speak, to share the good news, to, to help others grow, to feed the church. Those were the kind of gifts designed that way. These four. But what was the goal for those gifts? It says in verse number 12. For, he's going to tell you what it's for. For the equipping of the saints. Those gifts had a primary task. They were to equip the saints, to give the saints what they need to equip them. Any job you go into, somehow you've got to have equipment to do that job. I don't know whether it's a computer or it's a tool or it's a, you know, a, a, a uniform you have to wear, something. Many of our jobs are like that. And you go on to the job and they say, don't worry, we'll equip you with what you need to do this job. That's what these folks were set up to do in Ephesians 4.11. They were designed to equip the saints. So that the saints, being equipped, can do what? Keep your eye on the passage. For the work of service. That's what they were training them and equipping them to do so they can do the work of service. And what's their goal? Keep going. If I'm working the service, what is it for? It's to the building up of the body of Christ. Building up. So all the different tasks in the church are equipped to build up the body of Christ. Is that what you see? That's what it's saying. Now, what's that purpose? Keep going. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. So when do you retire? (laughs) When it's all done and we all look like Christ. Does it sound like we still have a few things to do? A few things. Not much. We're getting close, aren't we? Wouldn't you like that word? We're almost there. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and... Not just the unity factor, but the full knowledge of the Son of God. How close are you? Woo! I can't quite yet. And, we're not done. To a mature man that matches the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Does that stun you? That's what we're all here to do. All of us in our task, all of them together. If it's a speaking gift, guess what the pastor's task is? It's real simple. I am here so that all of us grow to the measure of Christ. See it? That's my job. That's what I'm here for. To feed you and teach you and guide you and encourage you and help you and correct you. Whatever it takes that you mature to be like Christ. If you're a teacher, and maybe you are a teacher in our, in our church here, maybe you teach a youth ministry, that's teaching. If you're working with uh, uh, the children in Patch and Peewee, you're teaching. If you're downstairs Sunday school, you're teaching. If you've got an adult class or a high school class, you're teaching. Maybe you're not teaching in this building. Maybe you're teaching in another environment. We've got a lovely Christian school across the street. They're over there teaching. What is the goal of teaching? According to this, this passage, what is it? How do you know you're hitting it? It's when the students have been built up to be like Christ. Right? Isn't that what the passage just told us? That's the goal of the teaching gift. What if you're serving? Some people say, oh, I don't want to be up front. Put me way in the back. Put me in some quiet corner where nobody even knows I'm here. Anybody like that position? Jenny says, that's me. Guess where she's sitting? Way in the back corner over there, too. She says, don't let anyone notice me. We're noticing you right now. (laughs) Yeah. She says, give me something quiet to do. Give me something where nobody notices me. But guess what her role is? Just like everybody else who has a serving gift. Ready? It's to build up the body of Christ to be like Christ. Even if all I do is make meatloaf, guess what your serving gift is for? According to this, the saints are equipped to serve until we're all like Christ. Do you see it? Sometimes we say, no, no, no. Give me me something where I could be lost. Nobody even notices or whatever. But don't forget what your purpose is. Your purpose is to build up people to be like Christ, regardless of the gift. Am I yelling? I'm trying to say this. It's just so important. We can't stop, no matter what our little part is, until we all look like him. If the left eye were the speaking gift and the right eye were the serving gift, they both look to the same direction. They both focus on the same thing. And this is what I'm trying to ask you to take into consideration as we go through these gifts and you're saying, I'm going to pick that one. Oh, I like that one. Oh, that fits me better. Oh, I can hide in this gift. Whatever your gift is, it has an aim. It has an aim. And the aim is that it get used to the maturing of the church. So now consider whatever you think the Lord has given you to do. Are you using it to help the church mature? That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. So when we go through this, this passage, we start to see what's the value of a gift. Is it so that I can hang a chart on the wall, some sort of plaque to say I've got this gift? Some sort of certificate, a diploma, a card you pull out? know, when they say, what's your gift? And you say, wait, I got it You're right here. You pull out a card and say, that's it. Why do we talk about gifts? If ever we take that gift and separate it from its purpose, then the gift has no value. Doesn't matter what I speak on. If I'm not sharing with you the fact that we need to mature in Christ, and that covers a lot of territory, then I'm using my gift inaccurately. I, that's what my goal is, is to help you mature. That's what every single gift is. I want to give you a preview. Go back to our 1 Corinthians 12, because Ephesians, we'll be back to you many, many times. But 1 Corinthians 12, let's jump ahead just a little bit. I hope you don't mind. Verse 22. Verse 22. Look at these words. About four verses here, but watch this. On the contrary, Paul's just saying this, and we've got some sermons coming on this later. How much more is it that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary? Why are they necessary? Because they have the same goal as the others, don't they? They are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think less honorable, on these we bestow more honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas, our more presentable members have no such need. But God has so, watch this, God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the members which lacked, so that there may be no division. Greek word there is schism, by the way. Kind of an interesting place to put it. So that there is no gap. So that there is no split. We get from this word, actually, a discord. Discord. For its definition. Discord. What is a discord? It's real simple. It's where there's a a difference between aims. There's a difference between interests. Definition, discord. A state or condition marked by a lack of agreement or harmony. (laughs) This is fun. The choir, that was very important that they stay on their notes this morning. They didn't have a piano to hide behind, right? They're singing their notes, and they had to stay on their notes, and each one was singing something different. You notice that. But they were very intentional on staying on T. What if all the ladies decided, we're going to sing today in the C major key. And all the guys said, no, we're going to sing in the C minor key. Do you know what that would have sounded like this morning? Not pretty. We could illustrate it, but we're not going to. You won't like it. It's a terrible sound. It's a discord when the groups don't agree. When they don't match. When they work separately from each thing. God has designed, as the verse said, that each and every gift works Together, So there is no discord, so there is no gap, so there is no division, there is no schism. You see that? God has designed it this way. So that in this body, keep going in verse number 25. So that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Look at that. If we're all doing our thing, folks, that's how we care for one another. Because what's your goal? That everybody around you be matured like Christ, right? Is that right? And what's my goal? That everyone around me be matured like Christ. And guess what? If we all take that same care together, what a beautiful place to come and grow in Christ. That's a beautiful picture where the purpose is all the same. The ultimate purpose of your gift, this is what I'm saying, is the building up of the body of Christ. Whatever that gift is, that's your purpose. I'm here to build up the body of Christ. And I know when I'm done, when we all look like Him. When we all look like Him. Each and every gift has that purpose. So as we've already been walking through the gifts here in First Corinthians 12, and talking about them, we've talked about the apostle. We've talked about the prophet. We've talked about the evangelist. We've talked about the pastor and teacher. We've talked about the gift of miracles. We've talked about the gift of tongues. And some of those things we, we've been referencing the last couple of weeks. Some are necessary today, and some are not necessary today. That's God's variety. That's the way God works. So I'm not going to review all those, but I'm going to take you back now, because those were primarily set up as either temperate gifts or sign gifts or speaking gifts. And now today, I want to take you into the serving gifts. And some people say, well, I'm more comfortable, Pastor, if you talk serving gifts, because then I'm not up front. And that's why I said, but what's your purpose? What is your purpose in serving? Watch how I do this today. It's going to be awfully fun. If you have a serving gift, and maybe it's specifically a gift of serving. I don't know how that looks. We'll talk about that later. But you know that you're a good servant, and God has designed you to be a servant. You have the ability to help or to serve. could be the broadest sense of the word or something more particular. We'll talk about that, like I said, later. But you like to serve. Understand what a gift is. It's not just a talent you have, it's an extraordinary ability that God has given you as a particular task to work in His church for what purpose? If you forgot, I'm starting all over. Your purpose is to mature the whole church. And if you have a serving gift, That's not a minor thing, if you understand its purpose. You're here to help others mature to be like Christ. I love that kind of service, don't you? That's the serving gift. What if you say, no, well, I'm not a pastor or anything, but I do have the ability to teach. Well, that's great, more than just to tell it, right? It's an extraordinary ability God has given you to be able to teach God's truth to people. You could explain it well. You say, yeah, yeah, that's what I got. Uh, what what do I do with this? Guess what your job is? Ready? Your job is to mature people to look like Christ. That's why you're teaching. That's why you're teaching. I think pastors ought to have that gift, by the way. It's just my opinion. But I think that if anybody's got to deal with God's word and teach it to people and make them understand it, I think they should have that particular gift. So I like pastor-teacher gifts together. Maybe some pastors are pastors and just can't teach at all. But regardless of all that, what is the focus of the teaching ministry? What is the focus? It's so that... Everyone who hears will be matured into the image of Christ. He said, "But but I've got a I've got a a, a ministry called faith." Said, so, "Okay, well that sounds good. What is that? Well, according to Scripture, if it's a gift from God, it's an extraordinary ability because I think all of us are called to faith, aren't we? Are you?" Yeah? A couple of you are saying, yeah. The rest of you are saying, it's a trap. He's got me set up here, doesn't he? You're called to walk by faith, are you not? Good. Yeah, we're here to walk by faith. All of us, right? Okay. But haven't you ever met somebody with that extraordinary ability to have faith when everyone else has given up? They say, you know what? I believe God can supply every need. And you say, yeah, that's in Scripture. But have you ever met somebody like that? I have. I, I, I've always thought, these people are different. Honestly, I had a, we had a guy come stay with us. Uh, he was from a uh, Caribbean or Caribbean, however you like to say, island. And uh, he was a student at school with my son up in Michigan, New Tribes Bible Institute. And uh, he came over to go to school without a penny in his pocket. Matter of fact, he hadn't even applied to the school. And he walks in on the first day of class to go to school. And we say, What's that? That's a surprise for the administration. What do we do now? Uh, He doesn't have any money. He didn't even apply. And he says, The Lord wants me here. And you're like, That's astounding. Would you be surprised that the Lord provided all his funds to go to school? Do you know it happened every semester that way? He was staying at our house one Christmas time um, during the break because going back home was, was tough for him. And we were talking. Um, one day he came out and he said uh, something, and he had a heavy, heavy accent, so it was kind of hard to follow him. And from what I gathered and what he was saying, he was telling me that his father was sick. And I said, oh, that, well, are we praying about that? You know, that's sad to hear your father is sick. And then several hours later, I started asking him, well, what kind of sickness is it? What, what's it? He says, well, he passed away. And I thought, whoa, that stunned me. And I said, well, do you want to go home? Do you want to go to your family? you want to go... He says, well, um, I I don't have any money. I I don't have any ticket. I I just can't go like that. And I said, well, how about if you you let us see if we could do something about this? So I get on the phone. I start calling all the people in the church that have benevolent issues and stuff. Uh, How can we help this guy? Suddenly his father passed away. I think we should send him home to be with his family. And I just got done with that conversation, went right back into the room with him, and I said, I think we might be able to come up with something. he says, oh, never mind. God's already provided it. And I'm thinking, really? <laughs> you know what? This was stretching me, not him. Just to listen to that. And he went. The Lord had provided for everything he needed within a few minutes. I don't know how that happened. I honestly don't know to this day how that happened. But this is the way this guy walked all the time. All the time. Every decision was just like that. And I said, wow, you got more of whatever that is than I do. If you call that faith, that's remarkable to me. But he lived that way. He just says, well, God will provide. And he just went forward. I said, ooh, well, I don't have that kind of faith exactly. I don't know about you. But I'm a strategist. I work things through my mind. I say, well, this Lord is, this is what I said," And the Lord steers me and guides me and corrects me. More times than not, corrects me in what I'm thinking. But the other people who could stand up and say, oh, don't worry, God's got this. It's taken care of. And you don't see it tangibly in front of you, but he's showing you something that, that it just might be this kind of gift, I'm saying. It's a unique thing. And I'm saying, if you've got that gift, You may say, well, that's an amazing thing to have a gift like that. But what is its purpose? What is its focus? That everybody grows to be like Christ. You see? What good is it to operate separate from the goal of the body? It's in the body for a reason. And the reason is so that everyone comes to know Christ better. The gift of faith is designed that way. Whatever that might be. You have the gift of exhortation. You know how to encourage people, comfort people, admonish people. Some people have that gift far beyond others. They know the right word to say, the right thing to do. All those things at the right moment. You've ever been ministered to by people like that? You say, whoa, that was refreshing. That was exciting. That was great. But what is that purpose? What is the purpose of that gift? So that we all become more like Christ. You say, well, how about distinguishing spirits? You'll find that in First Corinthians 12, verse 10. Most of these are around verse 9, verse 8, verse 10, things like that. Distinguishing spirits, the ability to distinguish between true and false spirits. Sources for a message, for uh, something being spoken about. Now, some people say, well, that was necessary back in the days when the church was being developed, because who knows what the source was, and you had to make sure it was right. And I would say, sure, they needed that gift back then. John even told them, remember in First John, to test the spirits to see if they are of God. And that was a necessary role, a very essential role, when everything was done orally, right? Test them. Make sure they're right. Make sure they're right. But you know what? There are some people with extraordinary abilities today. I've run into some, and maybe you have too, that can look at something and tell you in a minute whether or not it's true biblically or not. And sometimes it astounds me to hear them. They, they say, well, that's, that's not true because... And they're able to put all the pieces together. There's one guy, I know he writes reviews for Christian books. And boy, is he an asset to the church body. Because he goes through the book and he can pull out the parts and the pieces and say, that's good, oh, that's no good, that's no good, look at this, this is no good. And he can point all that out in a hurry. I never give him my books. I don't want him to tear them apart like that. But he's got an experience. Extraordinary gift for being able to explain to the rest of us how things ought to be. And he could discern those kind of things. But what is his goal? If he's got that gift, what is his goal? That the body all mature to be like Christ. Right? What if you have the gift of showing mercy? Somehow, you go know that extra measure, an extraordinary way of showing mercy to those who are hurting, those who are sick, those who are afflicted, those who who's burdened overwhelmingly. You know how to minister to those people in words and thoughts and in, even beyond exhortation and comfort. You've got a gift of mercy. More times than not, you're going to deal with somebody who got caught in sin. And you have to go in there, and you know what? Not everybody likes to get all dirty trying to fix these kind of things. But you might have a gift where you say, Lord, put me in it. That's my game. That's what you equipped me for. You gave me an especial ability to go in with mercy when people are hurting, and to apply what you have given to me. Some people have no mercy skills. I used to have to work with a couple of people. They were having an argument that had lasted years, folks, years. And I'm talking to them, and both, both individuals talked so much about their love of God's mercy. And I literally said this to them. I said, why is it that you want a truckload of God's mercy dumped on you, but you give it to each other with a teaspoon? So many times. We talk about mercy, how great it is, how wonderful it is. But there will be that individual who knows how to back up that truck for somebody else and dump it all on them. Because they have an extraordinary ability to help with mercy. But what is the goal of that gift? What's it there for? So that we all become like Christ. Right? Right? That's what it's there for. It's doing its part. It's meeting the need so that we all become like Christ. What if you have the gift of giving? And that's not just because you're generous, but because God gave you a gift, an extraordinary ability to give. And some people associate that just with money. And it's not just with money. But it's with a lot of other sources that you could provide somebody with something they don't have. And you're going to give and give and give and give and give and give and give give without any thought of return, without any thought of self-gain, without anything coming your way. You're just one way, pour it out. Kind of person. What is your purpose? Why did God give that gift to somebody inside the body of Christ? He gave that gift so that all of us will become like Jesus. Right? What if it's administration? Oh, that's the good one to hide behind, by the way. Because all you need is a computer screen and a graph and a chart, paperwork. You could hide all day long in administration, folks. COVID meant nothing to you. You were like that anyway. Right? You say, okay, what if that's my gift? Well, it's an extraordinary ability to arrange things. And to, to help the, the the church function like it should, it's an extraordinary ability. And the church needs things like that. But what's your purpose? You're, you know it now. So that I use that gift to help other people become like Christ. You know what? You've got to be clever and creative to figure out how that's going to work. But that's your goal. Don't ever think that this is the one to hide in because it's not. The body needs this gift to help it grow, to help it grow, to be like Jesus. What if your gift was a wisdom or knowledge? These, again, are are they parts of the ability to communicate and understand God's Word? Could they have just been an early gift when there was no Word? Is it a necessary gift? Is it something we still need today? I still think wisdom is a good thing to have, don't you? It's better than the alternative. But if that's a particular gift that God's given to you, and you say, yeah, that's what the Lord has given me, the ability to see things and understand things, and even maybe to communicate it like that, you're probably more like a teacher. But what's the purpose of your gift? Why do you do it? It's so that everybody else matures to be like Christ. See, I started and there's 18 items on this list that we've been covering for several weeks. I didn't even touch on the one called hospitality. Peter will throw that one out later. And you may say, well, that's my gift. That's my gift. I'm great at hospitality. That's not a gift you hide behind and say, well, I'm going to be quiet in my little hospitality gift and stuff. What is your goal for being hospitable? So that all of us, become more like Jesus Christ. Put that in the front of whatever gift you have. Put it in the front of it so that you always know your purpose. I do what I'm set up to do. I'm gifted to do. I've been trained by God. I've been taught through His Word. I have this gift to share with the church. It's not for me. It's so that the whole church... Can grow to be like Jesus. Is that revolutionary? I'll tell you what. It's been written for almost 2,000 years in God's word. And why is it that the church still hasn't figured it out? Why do we keep putting all these gifts down. And and emphasize one over the other. And say this one's important and that one's not so important. And, And why do we pat ourselves on the back and get glory for what God's given to us in the first place? Because we're operating as single individuals, like this is some sort of a one person sport, rather than seeing the value of the whole. And if the whole has been designed by God and the whole has the same purpose, do you see the picture starting to develop for First Corinthians? That's where they struggled. Because they were competitive. They were not cooperative. They were full of division. And they did not take that duty to serve each other seriously. That's why the Lord's walking through there and says, yes, there's a variety of gifts, but look at the rest of the phrase in verse 4. It's a variety of gifts, but it's the same spirit. Right? The same spirit. So whoever is behind the administration, whoever is behind the giving, who's ever behind the teaching, who's ever behind the mercy, who's ever behind start any gift you want, it's the same person. It's the Holy Spirit. And boy, when he's at work, change is inevitable. That's the nature of the Spirit. I've just walked through these with you. And I talked about their varieties. And you say, well, that's a big list, Pastor. That's a lot of sermon prep. You know what? The next verse gets bigger. Because he then takes each of those ministries and says, and within them, each of those gifts are multiple ministries. Think of how that goes out. Somebody with speaking gifts, let's start naming all the different places you can take that gift. It gets big. And then, beyond that, it mushrooms even bigger when it says, and from all those ministries, there's all the effects too. You know what? It's an amazing thing to look at. But when you all get down to it and realize what it's all about, it's what God's designed. And He had one purpose for it. Each one is needed, just as they are, in their time, in their place, each one given God's specific direction. God says, So there's no division in the church. We all have the same job, don't we? My job is to help you mature, to be like Christ. Guess what your job is to me? Do you know what it is? It's to help me to mature, to be like Christ. Did you know that? Does that scare you? The pastor? Oh yeah, the pastor needs to mature too. We're all called to that purpose. Each one of you... Let me read to you just a couple of words and I'm going to quit. First Peter 4.10 Let these just impact you. Listen. Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful servants of God's grace in various forms. First Peter 4.10 First Peter 4.11 If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves... They should do so with the strength that God provides. So that all things, in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So whatever your gift is, give it to Him. Here's Romans, just a couple of verses. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, But so as to think with sound judgment, as God has allowed to each a measure of faith. For just as there are many parts in one body, and all the body parts do not have the same function, we too, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually parts of it, one of another. However, since we all have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them properly if prophecy in proportion to one's faith, in service in the act of serving, and the one who teaches in the act of teaching, the one who exhorts in the work of exhortation, the one who gives with generosity, the one who is in leadership with diligence, the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Find that in Romans twelve three through 8 Here's one more. As we get down to the end, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit Gives every one of them. He distributes them. So what does the functioning of the church look like? It comes with an understanding. Whatever you've been given, whatever you've been given, that is so that your brothers and sisters can grow in Christ. Is that what you're using your gift for? Is that what you're using your gift for? Heavenly Father, we got to talk to you now. About this, we've been called for something incredible, really astounding. When we start to think it through, of how you have so designed the church, and we, in our our small thinking ways, will divide it all up and put importance to each part, and sometimes elevate one and decrease the value of another. We see where some people are, are very upfront and some people hide in the corners. And, and uh, we look at things in such a variety of ways. Many times through selfish eyes. Many times through man-centered eyes. And Lord, if we were given your eyes today to see how you designed this church as your word explained it, we all have the same job that is to help each other grow to be like Christ. Set that, Lord, as the ambition of our heart. Whatever you've called us to use as our gift, may we use it for that purpose. That your name may be glorified and your children might come to look like our Savior. Give us that heart's desire to see that through, we pray. Drive us with it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.